comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. Banded together from remote galaxies are the most sinister villains of all time. The Legion of Dudes. Dude. His dudeness. Duder. El Duderino. Dude. Dude. Dedicated to a single objective, the conquest of the universe. It's the Legion of Dudes podcast. And now, here's the dudes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the LOD Podcast 241, our special on digital comics. This is Russ, and join with me are Jim and Jordan. Woohoo! Hello. Jim's on his very special brand new internet, too. So congratulations, Jim. We have a brand new stately Deets Manor out in the country. Well, fun fact that people didn't realize, before Jim did all of his transactions with the group through Telegraph... And so we had to then decode it and, and re-upcode it into an audio file, which took forever. But now it should be a much more streamlined process. I hope so, anyway. Yeah. So did you take your key and, and just nick the new internet so that way you don't have to get upset when somebody scratches your brand new fast internet? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. But I, uh, I now can use apps that I've never used before. And uh, there's no more. I don't have to see that little buffering sign anymore in videos. That's pretty nice. And, uh, you know, as far as, like, um, you know, needing, like, 12D batteries, you know, for, for my Internet box and all that, and trying to hook up my Commodore 64 to, to the Ethernet, it, just, it wasn't working out, so I had to get something else. You sound new and shiny. Why, thank you. I feel new and shiny. <laughs> all right, before we get, get rolling, I just want to mention everybody that uh, there's going to be some changes coming up probably the first week of May, I would guess. So most of you may know we had some issues with the website a while back. And, uh, you know, one of the reasons is the backend that we use to power the website is using an outdated piece of software that's kind of vulnerable to security stuff and is not being patched regularly. So it's time to move away from that and move to something new. So we are going to be refurbishing the back end of the website, which means all of the podcast feeds are going to change slightly. Uh, this may cause a disruption in the feed. So if a week or so goes by and you don't see any new podcasts coming, um, go to the website, hhwlod.com, and check out the subscribe button. There should be a subscribe button, and it should subscribe you to the new feed, uh, and everything should be back to normal. There should be no more disruptions. Everything will be tip-top and in great shape. Uh, so again, there's a possibility there may not be a disruption, but um, knowing how extensive this overhaul is, I wouldn't count on it. So that's that. Are we ready to talk about digital comics? Yes, sir. Sure. So what do you guys... I, I didn't really have a hard format or, or anything I really wanted to, to, to go through. I thought we'd just talk about the for, uh, you know formats, platforms, um, you know what we're reading that way. Um, I know that uh, I'm not sure, Jim, if you picked it up, but I know Jordan and I picked up the Private Eye. Um, that was a, a digital pay what you want comic, and I was able to to read over that um, by Brian K. Vaughn and Marcus Martin. So we'll probably we'll probably maybe end the show uh, talking a little bit about that. Well, I think the interesting thing to me actually is that digital 
has really like blurred the lines in a lot of ways. I mean, you have in one hand you have you know your your um, traditional DC and Marvel books just scanned to a digital format and available on CBR or Comicsology. The other hand, you have people trying to use the format to to their advantage, as you see um, in like some of the digital only exclusive comics from DC or Marvel. Um, the Guardians of the Galaxy Drax story comes to mind, where you know different uh, panels are used in time, you know, in a way you could only do in a digital comic. And then you have you know web comics. You have stuff like Guns of Shadow Valley by by Dave Wachter, which is you know very very serious in tone, very full story, but available for free online, you know, on on, on the web or our um, uh, Muscles Marinara by Pat Lewis or uh, uh, you know Penny Arcade even. You know, I mean, you have all these different gradations, and I think it, it's good, so good for comics, you know, on the overall because. Because you have so many different ways of getting the work out there and getting eyes to see it and, 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 and minds to read it, you know, that you never really had before. And I, I think it's, you know, a great time for comics, I mean, with all these different digital, you know, venues and, and, and ways to read them. I mean, tablets, laptops, I mean, you can even read them on your phone, um, you know, all the different ways you can access comics. It's a lot... It's a lot easier. I mean, access, I think, is a big issue here because it's so much easier than to have to go to a specialized store in a city, you know, if you don't live in an urban area where you have an LCS right around the corner, you know, to, to, to pay, you know, this, this certain amount where, I mean, in, in, instead you can just click a button, go to Comixology and get, you know, you know all, all these different comics from all these different publishers, at the, you know, at the touch of a button. So I think that's huge and, and it's great for the medium, I think, overall. Yeah, for sure. The The thing that really pushed me over the top, and, and it's funny because we were kind of discussing this before we actually started recording was, and, and we talked about this on the on the show previously, is space. Uh, for me, I've got, right now, I've got 25 drawer boxes full to the gills and enough comics to probably fill another four or five easy. And I'm just running out of room, you know, physically to, you know, store them. And then when you move, you know, it's it's 25 boxes that weigh a ton that you're having to, you know, break your back on. And at some point, it just it just becomes too much. There was a time when I was easily getting probably 50 to 60 uh, comics a month, uh, easy easily. And uh, especially during the 90s and even the early aughts when I was getting a really good discount and books were two bucks or less, you know, I think there were some that were still, you know, in the dollar fifty or $1.25 range. And when you're getting a 30%, 40% discount and, you know, the, the, the books were, you know, fairly cheap and it was easy to buy everything. Um, but, you know, fast forward almost 20 years later and that's, it's just too much to pile up. And, you know, I don't know if it's age. I don't know if it's just, you know, 10 years ago, the thought of not buying comic books in print and reading them, um, well, at that time we didn't have tablets, so it would have been on the computer or, you know, some, something else and not having that tactile book was completely foreign to me. And, you know, with the advances with Comixology, with Dark Horse Digital, with some of the other mediums, with, the, you know, the tablet, I think is the deal killer. I've really come full circle on this and really gone the other way and accepting reading these things digitally and being able to wean myself off of, of the print. Well, as I said earlier, I just moved uh, into a new house, and it's amazing to me how many floppies I have. I know I have as many as you, Ross, but just being having to move them from one place to another, uh, you know, and, and 
just physically, like you say, I mean, it takes up space, it takes up room. Plus, you have issues with condition, you know, depending on how well, you know, you want to keep them, you want to keep them in mylars and, and boards and, you know, organization, you know, how do you want to organize them by title, by publisher, by author, by artist. I mean, there's a lot of different, you know, things that, that digital just takes right out of the equation, just, you know, by, by virtue of it being digital. I mean, you can index it in any way you want to, you can read it in any way you want to. I think that, the, you know, being able to use tablets and, and, and those kind of devices, Kindles, iPads, um, really has, has given the comics a boost. And if you look at the numbers, it's pretty interesting. Like, digital sales have been going up and up and up uh, for the, you know, since, you know, 2008, 2009, when they really became a force. And yet, print sales have gone, you know, have stayed stable, if not gone slightly up for some publishers. I mean, digital really has not cut into the print side of things uh, as much as a lot of people thought that it would at, at the outset. Yeah, it's really opened up a new market that they just weren't accessing before. Um, and, and, you know, this is not, you know, this is new for comics, of course, but, you know, we've all lived through this, all three of us, and, and pretty much any of our listeners, unless they're like 10, um, we lived through the same thing 10 years ago with music. We lived through it about four or five years ago with movies. And, and comics is kind of the one of the last... Uh, media consumption forms that has moved into this digital space and it's interesting that you can you can look at it a lot of the same ways i mean even with comics right now at 90 to 95 percent of the stuff i buy is is physical and five years ago that was true for music but now it is rare that i buy an actual cd i buy almost everything through itunes or amazon or google play and you know, I you know, if you'd asked me ten years ago, I'd have said no, that's never going to happen. And I was buying a couple things that way, but mostly physical. And, and I can see myself going in that same direction eventually with, with comics as well. Um, with movies, I've done that almost exclusively. I, I've only bought ten DVDs or, or Blu-ray or whatever in the last couple years. Most of it I just watch on Netflix or I or I uh, rent through Redbox or you know whatever. Um, get it through Amazon, those kind of things. But it, it's interesting to see how. It seems like comics were much more resistant, and I don't just mean the publishers, but I also mean the the consumers as well seemed much more resistant than, say, music or movie consumers did. And there was resistance, don't get me wrong, there was some, but it seemed like, at least until quite recently, the, the, the resistance on a lot of fronts was much, much higher in this medium than in any other. Well, there was a, a big resistance among the publishers as well, because they weren't sure exactly how to go about exploiting a digital strategy you know they i mean for a long time i mean before the new 52 dc i mean didn't have it very much you know i mean marvel too i mean they didn't know what to do with the web for a long long time it took you know comiXology to kind of you know lead the way as it were but you make a very good point i mean our entire you know paradigm as how we perceive media has changed you know in the past 10 years or whatever like you say with music and movies and whatever and i think you know comics sometimes can kind of be put to the side as kind of a you know like a a low culture uh, artistic medium, you know, not taken as seriously as, you know, some some other artistic mediums, and I think, you know, that, that's one of the things that makes it interesting as a medium, but also it's it's kind of, uh, you know, digital is working in its, uh, to its advantage, kind of take that stigma away and make it very accessible, and, and, you know, something, like you said, opening up to a new market that really hadn't, you know, checked out comics before, really, you know, gotten into them before. I mean, plus, I mean, it's been a huge boon for independence. I mean, you're taking out so many different uh, costs, um, for the independent independent publisher would have to look at you know for paper for printing uh, for everything else I mean you're taking out all that overhead right from the outset so I mean this has really been a boon for indie and smaller publishers as well yeah and I think there's really 
you know, two things that have caused it, I think, in the last probably 18 months to push it completely, I think, over the edge and really, I think, get the snow, snow, get it snowballing. And that's Comixology as kind of the one-stop shop platform. Uh, you know, right now, I can't, the only publisher that I can think of that doesn't publish on Comixology is Dark Horse. And they have their own uh, thing. And I, I think as we, as we get into this discussion, we'll talk about that. But I think Comixology as the one-stop shop uh, and the the advent of the tablet being um, an affordable medium, uh, you know, that's what really did it for me. If I didn't have the tablet, I don't think I would be as into digital comics as I am because, you know, I still don't really like looking or reading comics on the computer. It's still not really my preferred method, even with Comixology. I don't think their panel by panel app. Um, that portion of it on the computer works very well. Uh, I, I don't like the way that it's it's presented in the browser, uh, but the way it works on the tablet is pretty incredible. Uh, and just being able to zoom in and see those panels blown up to the full size of a you know seven or ten inch tablet and have it guide you through is really cool. And then you know there's there's different ways you can configure the Comixology app to to kind of guide you through that process. But usually. You know, you could still view the whole page even after you've paneled through each one. You could turn the thing portrait and still just just do it, um, you know, page by page, just like a, a regular comic. Um, and then, you know, if, if something strikes you or you want to, you know, you know, take a better look at something, you can zoom in on it. Uh, and and those two things for me are really what what did it. That's where I said, okay, you know what, this experience is close enough to the paper experience. For most of what I want to read, I mean, there are certain things that I'm still a collector at heart with. Uh, most of the X Men stuff um, and most of the Star Wars stuff, it's just such a vast part of my collection. I have a really hard time letting that go. But there's a ton of other stuff that I've just really, I just want to read it. I don't necessarily want to consume it. I don't want it to sit on a shelf. I don't want to have to worry about either dumping it off for a huge, you know, for pennies on the dollar, um, or finding a way to get, get rid of it or give it away. Um, and, and, you know, most of what I read recently isn't even appropriate. Like I can't give it to my nephews or my nieces. I mean, a lot of the indie, you know, the image stuff or, uh, you know, even some of the dynamite or boom related things, they're, they're a little too adult, you know, for a six, you know, five, six, seven year old kid, uh, to do. And, and just to be able to pay, you know, 99 cents or a buck 99 or a buck 50 or whatever, um, you know, really makes a difference. And and we're fortunate enough um, doing the podcast. We have a pretty good relationship with Dark Horse. We have a pretty good relationship with IDW that we have access to a lot of uh, pro, promo and preview materials that we get as either PDFs or, um, you know, or in JPEG format that we can, you know, preview a lot of books and be able to talk about them on the show. And that helps tremendously. Um for for me, yeah, I'm like you. I went. I've gone exclusively digital on my monthlies um, that I read, and uh, the ones that I the only things that I buy now uh, in physical form are things like an omnibus or um, a bound edition or something I can put on my shelf. Uh, I really have. I, I you know, like I said, Russ, I don't have as many as you, but it's still a problem and an issue finding a place to store all the floppies. You know, keeping them in good condition. You know, um, and all that other stuff. I mean. It, Digital just takes all that out of the equation. And I something that you kind of hinted up but didn't really uh, go into detail on, Comixology has, you know, sales all the time 
which uh, are great. I really am I'm a big fan of theirs because of their sales. I mean, and, and it's one of those things where you you, know, you go up to the site and oh, you know, all the you know all these Avengers comics are a dollar a piece, or you know, this whole run of of you know, Legion of Superheroes is about you know ninety nine cents a you know a, a spot, or this digital omnibus has been discounted. I mean, it's. It's really smart of them to have those weekly, daily specials all the time uh, to you know get people to come, keep coming back to the site, and um, I, uh, I you know I really that's something I really look look forward and uh, and toward is is something that sets comicsology apart from like and probably put them ahead of other you know digital outlets like that is that they were able to to discount and. and because, you know, it's on a server, it's not being, you know, reprinted or anything or put on paper. It's not, you know, nearly the cost it would be to, to reprint or, or put some of these things back into trade or whatever. Um, so, I mean, the the cost factor, I mean, is, is always, I mean, cost is always a factor in this hobby. I mean, you know, like you said, the, you know, books aren't under $2 anymore. Uh, <laughs> on the contrary, they're, they're almost always twice that. Um, being able to, you know, to pick up like a whole, you know, classic run of, of, uh, you know, some comic I love or something I wanted to check out but never got to for 99 cents a pop. I think that's, uh, that's a sweet spot as far as, uh, you know, retail pricing and digital comics in my, in my mind anyway. I love on Monday morning, I usually kind of have a routine on Mondays and Fridays. If, if Bleeding Cool doesn't have it listed, usually because they're in England and they have some folks that are in Australia and other parts of the world that, you know, it, it's the next day before it is here in the States. Um, I'll usually check Bleeding Cool like Sunday night or Thursday night and say, okay, what's going to be on sale in the morning? And then figure out if, if you know, it's something I want to bite into or not. And uh, I just, I really love it because sometimes it's it's stuff that I really, I'm really interested in or stuff that, you know, I just, like you said, Jim, stuff that you always wanted to read and never picked it up and either it's not available in trade or the trade is out of print or, you know, you don't want to spend 20 bucks or 15 bucks or whatever. I mean, recently speaking of the sale, they had the strike force moratory, like the first, I think 12 issues of that, um, for 99 cents. And that's one of those series. I never got it when I was a kid, when it was first coming out in the mid eighties. And I grabbed up all 12 of those issues. There's, there's stuff that there's stuff even that I've, you know, triple dipped on. I mean, I've, I've picked up old man Logan. They had a digital sale for Wolverine. I picked up, all the old man Logan issues. I have the floppies. I have the the oversized hardcover. Um, I'm actually going to get it in the Miller omnibus that's coming out, and I have a digital. But you know, some of those things are just so cool. You just never know. You know, you may be out and about or on vacation or whatever, and just want to read that story because you got some time to kill. And um, those sales are just are just incredible. And it, and Marvel's really good about the Monday Friday thing. DC usually is. I don't. They seem to be seasonal or event driven. Uh, and their sales typically are like weekend sales or they'll last, uh, for several days. And then occasionally you'll get, you know, dynamite or image or IDW will, will put stuff out there. I mean, I've said it before, but I picked up the first, what is it? The first four, four and a half mini series of lock and key all for 99 cents a piece, uh, which is really cool. Cause it's even, kind of gotten me to purchase outside that, you know, I, I usually kind of stick that $99.49 price, but I've waited on lock and key just because I've, I've started that digital process and waited a month for them to go down to two ninety nine or for to go for them to go from two ninety nine to one ninety nine and paid the two bucks to get the other issues just so I have them all. Um, and, and even though, like I said, for us, we, we get, you know, like digital comp copies of, of, uh, lock and key, they are watermarked. Um, for all, all the IDW stuff. So it is kind of cool that I have, you know, the actual 
guided panel by panel stuff in in my in my digital collection through Comixology. But the sales are really cool. Like I said, there's there's some real gems in there sometimes. Uh, you know, there, and, and other times it's either stuff that I have that I don't really care about or stuff that I'm really not interested to read. Um, but nine times out of 10, uh, there's something in there that I pick up. And something I noticed also that Valiant and Image have both done through Comixology is, um, they'll offer you sometimes the first issue for free of some series. Uh, I yeah. know Image had like Saga number one for free. Um, you know, Walking Dead number one for free, that kind of thing on digital. And Valiant, I think, had number ones either for free or for ninety nine cents. I can't remember, but uh, that's what really got me hooked on the new Valiant stuff was checking out their first issues that were on sale. So I mean, the you know, good marketing strategy that worked on me personally. Uh, but I'm I'm right there with you. I always I always check the sales on Comicsology, see what's going on, and even if it's something that I have. You know, on in paper in trade or whatever. A lot of times, I, like you say, I'll double dip on it, so I have it digitally, so it's right, you know, available to me at that price. I really, I really don't mind it. One of those first issue for free sales is probably a good segue into talking about what Marvel recently did, and I guess will be doing again since it got uh, postponed mid uh, mid promotion. But the seven hundred free number ones they put up on Comicsology, um, which crashed Comicsology servers, and everybody already knows that story. But for people who got in early and downloaded them all, like uh, like me, <laughs> which is why your servers are crashing, sorry, um, you know, it was great. I mean, I, I haven't read all of them by, uh, by any stretch of the imagination, the 700 books, but every once in a while, you know, I'm in a waiting room, I'm, uh, you know, can't fall asleep or whatever, I'll grab my iPhone and I'll read, you know, issue number one of Punisher Warzone or of some of the older Young Avengers series or something, and a lot of it has piqued my interest to the point of, oh, I need to put that trade on my list, or maybe I'll buy it digitally or whatever, and it's a great, uh, it's a great selling point, especially for the um, the smaller publishers, like you, you guys were talking about, for if you really believe in your product, if you really think that this series will appeal to people give them that first bite at the apple and hopefully they will come back and, and i think it's a great strategy that has worked on me many times in the past um seems to have worked on you guys and, and hopefully and i think it it is appealing to the general public because they keep doing it um but hopefully it continues to be a good strategy for them because it's a great thing to see well it's a slight tangent off that um the 700 number one issues i mean this is like the third or fourth story I've heard recently about some sort of digital media distribution that they knew was going to be huge and out of control and they didn't prepare for and it crashed servers like left, right, and center. Uh, Diablo 3 was like that when it first came out. And recently SimCity, uh, the new version of SimCity that just came out was also like that. I mean, how can they not know that the servers are going to be you know, brought to that kind of uh, a bear. I mean, how did they not know that everybody and their brother would go after 700 free number one issues? I mean, you think they would have prepared for it is all I'm saying. Well, I mean, it's hard. I mean, at least with video games, you can, you know, count your pre, your pre-sale numbers. You can view similar games and how many users they've had in the first couple weeks. W- with this particular promotion, you know, Comixology has never had a promotion like that before. And I think even they, I mean, I, I think they expected a good response, but I'd say obviously, although I'm not inside their heads, they were surprised by just how big the response was. Um, and even with how big it was, I know lots of people who you talk about it a week later of, oh, that Comixology thing, and they had no idea it happened. They didn't even know that Marvel released those 700 issues. It had the potential to be even bigger, um, which goes back to one of our earlier points about just how 
big this untapped market of digital comics really is. I mean, there's plenty of places we can go from that, but um, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things you might know it's going to be big, but how big? And, you know, servers aren't free. You know, how many of those do you rent or buy or to set up for this promotion? And it's only a three-day promotion, so then what do you do afterwards with all those servers? You know, it's a complicated issue. It's not like, well, if they just on X. I, I think if nothing else, this taught them something as far as what they need to do in the future for big promotions and how they ramp up and stuff like that. I mean, because it is, it is not easy to to respond to when you're, you know, and I don't know how many fold increase in traffic they had versus normal, but, you know, like you're saying, Jordan, I mean, the ability sometimes to, you know, spin up a bunch of, you know, virtual servers and replicate out your environment across, you know, that much more capacity is not trivial. Um, and I'm sure they, you know, they planned for some of that, but I, I think they just got totally, totally blindsided uh, by that. And I think, you know, maybe they should have known, you know, announcing it at South if this was something that just showed up on the Comicsology website I think it maybe would have been a little softer but you announce it at South by Southwest that has tons of coverage uh, and every you know comic website you know pointing to it and you know major news outlets and things like that um, it, they should have they should have maybe been a little more agile in how they would respond to it um Real quick, I want to talk about, we talked a lot about Comixology. Uh, you know, I know for a long time before Comixology really kind of got going, we had Graphically and Panelfly, and there were a couple other outlets that were really trying to get things moving. And I think for the most part, those have kind of gone by the wayside. I know Graphically made a huge investment in like iFanboy, and they were looking to get some deals done, and I think they had some publishers uh, lined up, and and I think they've pretty much abandoned all of that now. I mean, they've, they've respun off iFanboy, um, so they're not affiliated with them anymore. They've, they pretty much just turned into like a book publisher where if you want to electronically publish something, you just bring it to them, they charge you a flat fee and then, um, you know, they, they kick it out the door for you. So, you know, we're really down to kind of like a one horse race, except for dark horse, uh, and dark horse, you know, digital.darkhorse.com. They have their own, uh, their own app for tablets and phones. They have their own viewing experience on the computer. They have their own purchase system. So there's no crossover between Dark Horse Books and Comixology. Um, I, I have picked up some stuff. They do have sales uh, somewhat frequently, but not near as frequently as Comixology. Uh, sometimes the mix they have out there is um, leaves to be desired for. I was able to pick up the Brian Wood book, The Massive. Um, they've done a couple different sales, and I've I've ended up picking up, I think, the first eight issues of, of that series. Uh, they do a lot of Star Wars stuff. There's a lot of Star Wars sales they have. I know every Black Friday they do a, I think it's um, 150 issues or 100 issues for 50 bucks or something like that. They do this really huge push. Uh, and some of that, A, I have like 95% of all of them, and, and B, they're incomplete. Like there'll be three issues of a mini series or there'll be the first, you know, so many issues of a, of an ongoing or just random issues here in between. Um, so it's hard for me to really kind of bite in, into that. Um, I think they're, I don't know if you guys, have you guys used the, the dark horse digital app at all? Yeah, I've used it some, um, after I finished Buffy and angel, I bought several, uh, Buffy and angel, um, miniseries that they had on sale that that same like week or a week after I had finished it and I think I bought an Axe Cop compilation that was on sale 
Um, I don't like it as much as Comixology. I know some people have really big problems with the Dark Horse app. I didn't run into those, but I, I thought it was fine and serviceable. Yeah, I prefer Comixology too. As far I mean, as far as services are concerned, I've bought a few things from the Dark Horse uh, site as well, though. It, yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat as you guys. I I think their app needs more polish, uh, and I think Dark Horse really should take a look at and see, you know, is it really worth them investing in that, or is it worth turning over whatever it is, 20%, 30% to Comixology to handle that for them? And I think, at least at this point, they're kind of taking the hard line that it's it's better to keep it all in-house and do their own development and do their own hosting and... and um merchant system and everything else. But I think the, the app just needs more polish. I think I think it needs more work. I think it needs to be a little more smooth and intuitive to navigate either uh, by page or by panel. Uh, Comixology, especially on the tablet and phone interface, it's it's super intuitive to, uh, to flip how you guide yourself through the app. The inventory system, I think, on Comixology, while it could definitely use some improvement, I think is is a lot more logical uh and it, and a lot more clean i'm not as happy with it the the dark horse quote unquote app for the the tablet and the phone to me just seems like they took um some code and slapped it in a custom browser that launches as an app whereas the comicsology app feels like an actual app um not just like a, a you know a web thing that's thrown into uh you know to this app wrapper um, but that's a little more kind of behind the scenes kind of the, the you know tech tech of it. But it, it just doesn't have that that app you know polish and take advantage of the tablet or the phone interface as much as Comixology. But it's not you know horrible. Like I said, I mean you could still navigate it either way. It still works you know just as fine. You can download your comics directly to the device itself. You don't have to be online to 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 either view everything. Um, so that's that's a plus. One more thing I, I will mention for those of you that may that redeem your codes through like if you buy the Marvel comics where they offer for three ninety nine books they offer a free digital code that you peel the sticker off and you get the code for and I believe with DC it's the same way if you buy the combo packs that are polybagged um, with the codes in them um, if you created separate accounts like I did originally for Comicsology and for the Marvel app um, you can email Comixology support and they will merge those accounts. Um, you give them both of the usernames and which accounts they are and they will actually merge them together so that it's it's one account and when you redeem those things through the, the Marvel you know the Marvel website because you actually go to the Marvel website, redeem your code if the accounts are merged or, or they you know share the login like that, when you log back into your Comixology, they show up immediately. Um, and so that was a problem I had is, is I had comics in one app and not the other, even though they're powered by the same thing. The Marvel app, the DC app, Comixology, they're all the same engine. They're all the same system. Um, for whatever reason, they, you know, I don't know if they just thought it would be a good marketing tool to, to keep things separate. But like I said, if you've done it that way, you can merge that all so it's under one roof. And m mine are already merged because I kind of set them both up at the same time. But it, it is... Um... I do like the Marvel, and I guess you're saying DC does it too, but I read mostly Marvel when it comes to the big two. I really do like those codes. It's it's great for, you know, I don't always get to all my comics right when I read, right when I buy them. I might read two or three, and then the rest sit around for a couple days or a week. 
Um, it's nice to have those codes that when I do get them, I can just slap that code in the phone and, hey, I've got five minutes. I'm not at home, but I can read that new issue of, uh, you know, Fantastic Four. I don't think Fantastic Four is a three ninety nine book, but that new issue of Su- Superior Spider-Man or Avengers or whatever. Hey, it's right here. I, I really do like that feature. Yeah, it, it's it, it it's funny because there's been some three ninety nine books that I for a long time I was like you know it, once it hit that three ninety nine threshold I was dropping, but with the DCBS discount those books are typically um, like two bucks maybe two fifteen two twenty five, and even digitally if you wait a month they're only going to be two two bucks you know for, they're going to go from three ninety nine to two ninety nine so they're in some cases three bucks. Um, I can get them through DCBS at the cheaper price with the code in it for cheaper than I could just wait a month even and buy the digital. So there's been some books I've even done it that way and I've redeemed the code and I figure if nothing else, you know, at some point if I really don't care to have the physicals and I, I've got, I've revealed the code, I'll, you know, box them up and ship them to somebody or give them off or send them to the library or, you know, do something with them. But it almost just seems kind of silly to not, um, you know, to not do it that way. Uh, and then for a lot of times for the two ninety nine stuff, I'll either wait a month and and pick it up when it goes to to two bucks, or again wait. Sometimes if it's something I'm I'm just you know I'm mildly curious on, I'll wait until they they do the ninety nine cent sale for Marvel or DC or whatever. Um, the one thing about the DC though is they charge an extra buck. So if it's a three ninety nine book to get the combo, it's four ninety nine. If it's a four ninety nine book, it's it's five ninety nine. So they they charge an extra buck for the for the combo. And see, if I was forced to make that decision, I probably wouldn't pay the extra dollar. But as a bonus, as a thanks for buying the physical and, you know, supporting uh, physical retailers, you know, I think that's an awesome deal. Yeah. Should we talk about some of the the digital exclusives that the big two do and some of the things, I mean, not only the big two, I mean, but um, like, for instance, I know, Russ, you're a fan of the the big fan of the Batman Beyond Digital uh, only comic that's been coming out. I've been reading uh, Justice League Unlimited. Or Justice League Beyond. And on the Marvel side, they've got those like Guardians of the Galaxy right. Unlimited. I read that one. Or not Guardians of the Galaxy Unlimited. I'm stealing that, I'm stealing that phrase, but the uh, Infinite. Infinite, comics. right? They've had one for Nova, I think, and then one for Drax. And I, I really one for Rocket and one for Gamora. So oh, I, I, I missed well. those too. I have to pick those up. What I really like about that is that they use the digital medium to their advantage. You know what I mean? They'll they'll put caption boxes up on the screen in sequence to kind of you know punctuate with the you know the um, what is going on or, you know, what the characters are saying. Uh, they, you know, they tend to have like a bigger panel layout. So they look better on the tablet, you know, they look better uh, being read digitally. And I really kind of like that idea that they're really using the medium for all it's worth. They're taking like regular old school comics techniques and, and applying them to this new media and doing things that you couldn't do in print. Um, I think, I think it's really awesome. And I really enjoy that. And they're usually, you know, the price is right on the, the, uh, the DC side or on these digital comics usually as well from the big two. You know, we, we talk a lot about on the show. Um, I, th- I think we're pretty even with it when it comes to a lot of like independent stuff, either image or IDW or dark horse and heavy on Marvel. And I think overall we've been kind of down on DC. I mean, uh, we, you know, we, we covered a lot of the new 52 stuff and a lot of it's kind of tapered off um, there. But I think for me personally, where DC is really shining is on the digital side. I think they have a lot of these digital exclusives. I mean, some of the ones I'm reading pretty religiously are uh, Smallville Season 11, Batman Beyond, Justice League Beyond, Superman Beyond, which I think is the weakest of the bunch, probably, although it started to pick up a little bit. 
Um, the new video game that's come out, Injustice Gods Among Us, they're doing a yeah, weekly Yeah, that has really been good. Yeah. I've really been appreciating that a lot. Yeah. And then um, they started up Legends of the Dark Knight, which is kind of like a throwback to the old Batman Legends of the Dark Knight from the 90, from late 80s, 90s, uh, that are just kind of um, short arcs. Some of them are one issue long. Some are two or three um, stories that take place in all different time periods of Batman's history. Plus with all different creative teams, too. That's what I used to love about the title. Yes. That title was, you know, you get to see, you know, Simon Bisley draw Batman, you know, or James Robinson write Batman. You know, writers and artists you wouldn't normally see work on, on Batman comics could go on Legends of the Dark Knight and do like a three or four issue arc and really, you know, blow you away. I, I'm probably, you know, among the dudes, I probably read the most DC out of all of us. I really, I'm, I've been reading all the Beyond uh, digital-only comics. And, and to be honest, I really like the Justice League Beyond more than the main Justice League title uh, in the DC New 52. But um, I, their digital uh, sales have gone up like 200% since the relaunch um, of the New 52. And they've just been really, you know, not only stressing the digital side, but, you know, really trying to cater to that audience and trying to bring that audience in. So I'm, but like you say, Russ, this, um, these digital exclusives on the DC side have been really solid all all, all along, and um, I really like, I'm glad Marvel's trying to you know get into the act too with their their infinite um, you know digital exclusives so far. Yeah, I mean, just to give you a little rundown uh, on some of these, uh, and Jim, you can chime in, at, you know, to comment on the ones you've been reading. Smallville season eleven, I was a big fan of of Smallville while it was on. I, I watched it. For the most part, all all ten seasons. Uh, you know, there were a few seasons there where I may have uh, kind of wandered in and wandered out, but I think it ended strong. Uh, this series, you know, kind of like they did with Buffy season eight and season nine, picks up after the show where he's fully Superman. Uh, it's kind of funny because originally he wore the, you know, the 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 Superman Returns type costume. You know, it was pretty much that that exact costume. And quickly in the comics, they've changed it. Um, they did a little bit of a time jump and he changed it to look more like the current, uh, you know, new 52 Superman with the, you know, no, you know, red underwear. It's all, it's all blue, um, and make it look like that. They've introduced Batman, uh, into it, Batman and, uh, and Nightwing, which is Barbara Gordon is actually Nightwing. He doesn't have a Robin in this. Um, and it's really kind of cool. His costume is a lot more practical. Uh, it, it looks kind of, um. Like it was, it was put together very cheaply, uh, you know, and he's got some, some pretty cool gadgets and stuff like that. Uh, and they've really started to expand that, but Batman has been in it quite a, quite a bit. And, uh, so it's, it's been, it's been kind of fun to read and he's kind of a jackass. Like, uh, you know, he's almost kind of like maybe the Dark Knight Returns interpretation of, of Bruce Wayne and Barbara's very, very much Carrie Kelly ish where she's real aggressive and aloof and doesn't listen to to batman very much and stuff like that but it's it's been fun um they've done some cool stuff uh with it with lex especially uh the way that series ended um there's a character that kind of like haunts the back of his brain which is which has been kind of fun um but it's 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 been pretty decent and I think they're up to like maybe twenty. There, I think there's almost thirty some odd issues that they've they've done with that series um, so far. But it's been pretty good. Um, for me, the crown jewel, and I know I've talked about it on this on the podcast before, is the Batman Beyond. Uh, 
it, it, it's a continuation of the cartoon. Uh, it's it, for the most part, it's it's being scripted by Adam Beechin and drawn by Norm Brayfogel, which is a huge plus uh, for this series. And there's just some really really cool stuff that they've tied in, uh, you know, to this book. And uh, I'm I'm really really been happy with it. Um, they did this whole story that ties into the Jokers uh, and Dana Tan, like um, Terry's girlfriend in, in high school. And it turns out her brother is like the leader of the Jokers. And they start this attack on Gotham, uh, this coordinated attack of all the Jokers across the world, all convene on on Gotham to just just raise complete havoc. And uh, And it's really cool. They brought in a new vigilante that has ties to... Uh, Terry's origin as well as as Bruce's origin, so to speak. Um, he has a he, the new vigilante has an interesting lineage. Uh, they brought in Dick Grayson, uh, who has never shown up in the Beyond universe. So, you know, he didn't show up in Batman Beyond at all. They haven't done anything else with him, uh, and he's kind of almost like a Nick Fury. He's got like gray sideburns and a and a patch and an eye patch. Um, so he's he's really kind of a cool character. They brought in, um, you know, of course they brought in like Tim Drake back. They've done some really really cool stuff, and I've really I've really enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, I agree. It really has the flavor of the cartoon, which is probably the highest compliment I could pay it because it's one of my favorite, um, you know, superior cartoons that's ever been made about and beyond. Uh, it really has. I mean, and uh, Justice League Beyond too. I feel really has like kept that same kind of continuity uh, going. Really, might, really. I mean, has that that um, that secret sauce that made Batman Beyond so interesting and, and compelling. It just kind of is really um, well thought out, and this, I really like the stories in it. And uh, uh, again, the the use of the digital effects in the comic I really enjoy. Like when they're writing for digital, it definitely is different. And writing for you know the the page and I can appreciate that and it's almost like a new you know medium unto itself kind of it's kind of cool but those are the two I've been reading and I've been meaning to get to Superman Beyond but I, I have yet to to do so. It's um yeah I think I think Batman Beyond Justice League Beyond are a good pair they've done both with both of them really cool tie-ins to um probably two of of one, of the greatest things I think the Timverse ever put out which was. Uh, the uh, Batman Beyond Ret- uh, Return of the Joker, which was really good. There's a really cool um, piece in 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 these books that that deal with that. And the other one is I can't remember the the episode, but it's the one where um, it's it's from Batman the Animated Series, and it's where the, um, the Scarecrow um, hits Barbara with uh, fear gas, and the episode starts out with her being her falling off the roof onto um, Jim Gordon's car and he realizes that um, his daughter was Batgirl and that she is dead and they start this huge manhunt for Batman and it turns into this crazy um, crazy episode and then it turns in the end it, she, it was just like that was her worst fear was for her father to find out that way um, and you know basically the whole thing was a dream but it was so well done i mean it was written by paul dini it was it was an it was probably one of the one of the best cartoons i've ever seen that was in my life. Uh, that was near the end um, of the run too that was on the new batman adventures yeah. when he um uh, when yeah. you know the the cartoon was kind of winding down but yeah i remember that episode very well very good episode yeah yeah and it and it just kind of had this moment at the end where she's ready to tell commissioner gordon who she is and he stops her and it basically is that wink wink nod nod like I'm pretty. I know what you're going to say, but you can't tell me out loud because if I know and confirm it, then that changes everything. And it was just a really cool moment. But they do something in 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 the in this book 
where they tie directly to that and 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 there's a reason you know why why that that happens the way it does um and it's just it's really cool that they have all those ties back to the animated versions of of this stuff um superman beyond i think is a little weak it's it's okay i i, I lag behind a little bit on catching up with superman beyond uh they're doing something interesting with luthor's daughter um is his unknown illegitimate daughter and the, and Luthor is kind of this um artificial intelligence at this point um and it's kind of this identity crisis for Superman he's he's trying to come back into the fold after being in space for a few years and and being a member of the Justice League and stuff it it's okay but it's not it's not great but the injustice gods among us i got the first 3 issues of that and started reading it and it's very good um and i know it ties directly into the video game you know story where Superman ends up taking over uh, the world and and you know the heroes and villains kind of team up to stop them and that's kind of the premise behind it. But so far it's been it's been really good. Yeah, the uh, the game is coming out from the same people that make Mortal Kombat uh, Midway. They also did that Mortal Kombat versus DC Universe, and uh, I've, been, I've been really enjoying the comic as well. It's also been available in print, um, but the, the digital I've been reading it on digital like, as as you have. Yeah, that's what the funny thing about these digital firsts. What they do is they'll so each digital just to back up a little bit. Each of these digital firsts are ninety nine cents each. They're the equivalent, even though they say twenty two pages or twenty four pages. Um, they're formatted landscape for tablets um, or phones to be to be displayed that way. So it's awesome to read them on a tablet because they're they're formatted specifically. You don't even have to go panel by panel. Um, everything's formatted. You can go page by page. Um, but really the way when you translate that to print, it's each page, quote unquote, is like the top half of a printed page. And then the next page is like the bottom half of a printed page. So it translates to an 11 page comic, but 11 page comic for 99 cents, not too bad. And, and like I said, these are very entertaining. They're very, I like the pace of them. They, they really grab you to want to come back for more. Um, when they reprint them, they take three of those issues and put them into a print comic and then they take, I think, six of the issues or five of the issues and put it in a trade. So it's kind of funny how it's it still follows the the print to trade method, but but the, it it does go to digital first. Um. Well, to kind of move, um, move from the DC to the Marvel side, I know uh, Jordan's been keeping up on them as well. The um, the Guardians of the Galaxy Infinite series that they've been doing on the digital side. I, I've read Nova and Drax. You said there's also ones. Uh, there are also editions for Gamora and Rocket Raccoon. Yeah, there's a Rocket one. I think they're doing one um, one issue per Guardian, uh, like one a week until I well, I guess until they've done all of them. I would assumed it, I would have assumed it was up till the release of um, of the of issue number one. But since that's already out, that can't be the case. Um, I have not read Gamora yet. I downloaded it, but I just haven't gotten around to reading it. Um, Drax was good. I didn't really love the art. Um, but the, the story was fine. Rocket was really fun. I like the art and the story. And like I said, I haven't read Gamora yet, but yeah, there, and these are issues that as opposed to the, the DC digital first, they have no plans on releasing, uh, physically because they are designed in this quote unquote infinite way where it's, it's almost using, I mean, to explain it in, in a non-digital format, it's kind of like the idea of repeating panels like you might see in many comics, but, uh, specifically, um, you'll see it a lot in Invincible and in some other books, um, or Watchmen even use it in some places, but where instead of 
it being a motion comic, let's say, it'll be the same panel, but when you click next panel, that same panel will come up, but the dialogue will have changed. So you're now seeing the next part of the conversation where one of the characters might have moved slightly or um, somebody else might have stepped into frame, but you're still keeping that same scene. So it's, it's a weird kind of mix between motion comic, comic book, and movie, but still skewing towards the comic book side. Um, so you're paging through and you're getting these stories in, in kind of a new way. Marvel's kind of doing, like I said, they're not, they're not planning on releasing this physically. So they're playing around with the medium and saying, hey, what can we do in a digital format that still feels like a comic? But you can't do in a comic. What can we do in these infinite comics to make them feel special, to make them feel different, and to really, um, you know, make the most of the medium? Let's not just make it a translation. Let's do something different. And generally, I like it. I haven't seen anything in the few issues they've released. Um, and they're also going to be doing another book uh, coming up soon. Will be a new issue every week. I haven't seen anything that I didn't like. And, you know, like I said, the the art in the Drax issue wasn't my favorite, but that could be the same for a regular comic. I haven't seen anything on the infinite side of this, the the specific to this format that I haven't liked. I haven't seen anything that blew me away, quite honestly, although the the AVX issue with Cyclops and Gene on the Moon was pretty pretty amazing, I thought how they how they worked that in, but it's a really cool concept. If I if I can really quick throw out three quick indie uh, online comics that are really great. Uh, for, uh, first first of all, um, my, my friend Pat Lewis does a uh, comic called Muscles Diablo where terror lurks. And it's kind of a cool mix between uh, cartoony style and uh, pulp adventure uh, from the 30s and 40s. Uh, what he does is he publishes it as a webcomic and then uh, it comes out in editions that you can buy from him or from the website itself. Um, so if you you know Google Muscles Diablo, you'll you'll find his stuff. It's really great. He has a really cool classic cartoony style, kind of like Harvey Kurtzman or, or um, you know the the early Mad guys, Jack Davis, uh, that kind of thing. Is a really really great style. Uh, a second one I'd like to shout out really quickly is my friend Ed Pisker, who, who did the incredible comic WYSIWYG about the early days of computer hacking, is now on boingboing.net uh, doing a, a entire exhaustive illustrated history of hip-hop um, going back to like 1970. And it's going to be collected by Fantagraphics uh, later in the year in, in uh, these really nice, uh, they almost look like the old Marvel Treasury editions from the 70s. They're like oversized. And they have the same like formatting and banner and everything, but right now you can read the entire story that Ed has done so far up to now. I think he's up to um, the the, the mid eighty or the early eighties. Uh, he's he's hoping to go all the way through to present day, but uh, that's available on boingboing.net, and that's just really cool stuff. Even if you're not you know, that into hip hop, it's really fascinating stuff that he did one uh, installment recently that had like the um, Blondie and the Clash like hanging out with Fab Five Freddy in New York in the early eighties, and everything he's done is based on this exhaustive research he's done. So that's pretty sweet. And then a friend of the show and friend of mine, Dave Wachter, has a really cool web comic. It hasn't been coming out as often recently because he's been working with Steve. Niles at Dark Horse on a new uh, Golem comic that's coming out very soon. Uh, also, well, he's been working on a new Godzilla comic, but uh, it's the, the web comic is called Guns of Shadow Valley, and it's a cool mix of kind of like, it's it's almost like Deadwood uh, meets X-Men. It's, it's kind of uh, this really um, hard-bitten, uh, uh, 
dusty spaghetti western mixed with people with extraordinary abilities and it's a really cool dave is one of the best artists out there he's really has a great style and um the story is really kind of unique and fun so i definitely would recommend that to you um guns of shadow valley uh, com, or you can you know just google it or look up dave wachter also um dark horse has been adapting quite a few of their comics digitally in a form of motion comics i know they did uh, hellboy they've done the goon they've done umbrella academy and those are all available at the Nerdist channel on YouTube and those are pretty cool. I really liked what they did with Umbrella Academy as a motion comic. So uh, Yeah, that was pretty Yeah, neat. I really enjoyed that. So that's another cool thing to find online. I mean, it's not just buying issues from Comicsology from the big two. There's a lot of really cool like you were saying before the private the private eye uh Kickstarter uh that that just went on with Brian K. Vaughn. Um and all, there's so many different avenues now. You got Mark Wade's Thrill Bent, which is doing you know digital exclusive comics. Um, it's just I think digital is just making it a very exciting time to be creative with this medium. It's really advancing the medium in ways that we never really thought it would. And uh, there's so many different gradations now with online comics. Whether you you're buying issues from Comicsology, whether you're you know reading a weekly web comic like Penny Arcade, or or you know you're reading a serialized web comic like Guns of Shadow Valley or whatever. Or, I mean, there's just so many uh, avenues for for comics now online and digitally. It's just it's it's a great time to be a geek. I think you know, especially if you you know you love the medium the way I have. Well, and it's also it's also a great new you know Wild West. Um, not not to uh, jump off of Guns of Shadow Valley uh, as a pun, but a great new Wild West for creators in terms of how to make a living. You know, this is a constantly changing landscape in terms of what's profitable, what isn't, what what um, revenue streams will allow you to continue on in your work and which ones won't. But there's certain books like, um, say, Freak Angels, which was released at FreakAngels.com for a couple of years. It, it wrapped up in August of 2011, and I'd love to cover it on LOD at some point in the future. I've been talking about it for forever, and I just need to actually get around to doing it and that was Warren Ellis and Paul Duffield they basically put out six ish, or six pages of a book every week for free it's still up there at freakangels.com you can read the whole thing beginning to end for for not a single cent and then after they got that initial um uh, you know that first bite of the apple if you will even though like i said the whole thing is free then they went to publishers and released six collected editions that you can buy in hardcover and paperback and and all these different versions but they they still found a way to give you that whole story for free and make I mean I'm sure their their whole living doesn't come from this you know they're they're doing other work in different places as well but hey here's the whole story for free and if you like it you can give us money later and and it's just a really cool you know with that or with the private eye which I think we're going to talk about in a little bit different ways of saying here's content it's good if you like it pay us if you don't you don't ever have to come back you don't have a paper edition sitting on your uh on your shelf or in your or in a long box or whatever that's just taking up space try it if you like it you can pay if you don't have a nice day there's plenty of other books around and i think you know from a community standpoint of just the the comic book community it's kind of awesome because comic book fans why they can be jerks at some point when they're you know, you know, p- picking holes and everything or whatever. Yeah, I love you comic book fans, but you know, you can be that way. They're also, in many cases, very willing to say, I recognize quality and I will support quality when that option is made available to me. Yeah, definitely. The other thing that we haven't really talked about at all in, in this episode is, you know, Kickstarter is kind of becoming another avenue for a lot of digital stuff. I, I think with Kickstarter, I think the intention for a lot of it is to is to put out a print 
addition, but a lot of the stretch, uh, not stretch goals, but a lot of the reward categories and levels uh, deal with, you know, a, a digital version of the, of the book, either in PDF or, you know, separate JPEGs that, or CBRs or CBZs or, or whatever the case may be, you know, that, that can be done as well. So I haven't, you know, I know Sean Pryor, when those guys started Action Lab, that was, you know, the big thing they started a Kickstarter for Action Lab. I know there's been a bunch of other, um, you know, some even name brand creators that have, uh, have, started things on on Kickstarter to to get funded. Um so there's there's plenty. I mean if you go to Kickstarter and I think there's even a category for comics or graphic novels uh that you could search through. So, you know, if you're if you're interested in, you know, looking to see what's out there that you might be able to get either a digital. I think some of those, you know, when you support them, you could just get a digital only. Like if you don't want the print, you don't you don't have to get it, but if you want to you know, support a creator or support a creative team or, you know, a, an upstart company or something like that. Um, you know, that's that's another avenue that's out there for, for digital comics. Now, there's another side to this coin that we haven't discussed um, yet. And that is, you know, there are pitfalls to digital comics in the way that most of the stuff, not all, and thankfully not all, and I think that is hopefully something that will change over to a more iTunes model where you actually have a file on your computer. But for a lot of these things like a Comixology or, or some of the similar apps, you don't get a file. And the worry that some people have, and it's it's a legitimate worry, although it's not making me lose any sleep at night, that's plenty of other things in my life, but is that, hey, if Comixology tomorrow goes under, I lose these books. If the Dark Horse, if Dark Horse as a company folds tomorrow, I lose every single book I had. And there have been examples. I think it was just recently an anime uh, digital company went under and people lost their books. This is a thing with any type of cloud storage where you do not have a, you know, client side copy, um, a client side specific copy that's not just in a cloud. It can go away. And you know, some people are very concerned about that. Do you do you see? the way Comixology is set up, the way other companies are set up? Do you see them changing the way they house their files? Do you see them you know, putting in a secondary thing? And this isn't comics-specific. I mean, it's the same thing with Steam. If Steam goes under tomorrow, I, I lose a bunch of games. I don't see that happening, but it could happen. Um, and it's one of those things that's a growing pains area of the uh, media distribution for, for these things, comics and video games and even movies in some places with you know your ultraviolet copies or, or stuff like that. It's a big concern for me. I mean, again, not something I dwell on terribly, but, you know, I am concerned that I've spent quite a bit of money so far on Comixology, specifically Dark Horse to some degree, to get these uh, these books and build this library. And, you know, like you're saying, even if you download, quote unquote, download the book, it's not in a format that's accessible. I mean, yes, it is locally stored, but you can't take it and do anything with it. I see, I would hope that one of a couple things would happen. One, if, if the format would go, would go away or if there was fear of it, or if Marvel decided to sever their relationship with comicsology or something like that would happen, that they would keep things running long enough to allow people to download, you know, the, the actual physical or the, the digital copies in a format that is readable outside of their app, like either, you know, put them into some sort of CBR, CBZ format or something like that. I also think that as we look further down the road, kind of like with what happened with music, um, I hope, you know, it's possible it may happen with movies too, but, you know, music eventually went the DRM free route and 
if this format can take off and be sustainable and be and show revenue growth and the print model diminishes or possibly even goes away, I'm talking maybe 10 years down the road, that maybe Comixology will offer a DRM-free option. You know, you can pay 10 cents a book or something like that, and you can upgrade it to a DRM-free that you can download and archive off in a format that's that's readable, either, you know, zipped up. Um, you know, compressed uh, JPEGs or you know, cat or you know, something that is platform independent. You know, you know that way. If it all went away, for me personally, this is this is me. If it all went away tomorrow, if if Comixology folded, if Marvel fold, if if it all goes away, then I would have no, I would not feel morally conflicted in any way, shape, or form to go out and acquire these issues among the ethers <laughs> and download them in whatever CBR CBZ scan format for my own personal viewing. Because at that point I feel like I paid for something that I, that I had a, a complete expectation that I would have in perpetuity that I don't have anymore. And it wouldn't, I wouldn't feel morally wrong in, in acquiring that material and keeping it for, for forever. You make a good point, though, Jordan. We're kind of in the infancy of, of digital ownership, quote unquote. And this DRM issue—I mean, it's not only comics; it's video games, um, it's, it's you know, it's other medium as well. Um, so I, I'm with you, though, uh, uh, Russ. If, if it all went away tomorrow, I could, I could live with that. I, you know, gotten the use out of what uh, you know I paid for that you know justified my payment of that money. Um, I, I, I do hope that eventually that down the road they do come up with a better solution as far as, you know, have actually, you know, having a physical file, um, you know, that, that you own as opposed to having access to their app. So, uh, as the medium, as the medium evolves and as the, you know, the, 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 uh, monetization of that medium evolves, we're just going to have to see where that takes us. Yeah. Kind of tangentially related to that is something we haven't talked about yet is the Marvel Digital Comics Unlimited which is separate from Comixology and from the Marvel app. but And this has been around for quite some time. This has been around for, I think, at least six, seven, eight years now. Although it was PC but it's a, and Mac exclusive, right? It, you, there was no right. uh, mobile version. Right, correct. It was browser-based only, totally viewable online. It was subscription-based. Uh, I think the price was still the same. It's it, you know, Currently, it's, it's $9.99 a month or $60 for the year. And there is an iOS app, I think, with a with an Android app promised soon. I, I was told, but I haven't seen it yet. And you're allowed, from my understanding, you're allowed to download six comics at a time. So if you want to go offline and read them, you could do that, or um, you have access to the full library online. My understanding is that most of the books are at least six months old, which is fine. The problem from what I heard, and, and I've been curious to, to buy a month subscription just to check it out and see what's really out there, is that there are some gaps. Like you'll go, you know, Wolverine 50 through 54 and then like 58 through 75 or something weird like that. And it's not always like the, the complete story. You'll get like parts one through three and then inexplicably Part four isn't available through Marvel DCU. Although, from what I understand, those gaps are shrinking slowly but surely. Correct, correct. Um, but for a while, that was like a big problem. Is people were really hacked off. It's like, hey, I'm paying all this money and I'm getting three quarters of a of a story that you know I can't I can't finish reading. Spoilers: Wolverine probably lives. Probably so. <laughs> probably so. <laughs> I've I've not heard good things about the reading experience that it was using. Uh, I guess it was using Java for a while. 
and uh, there, or it was using Flash. I'm sorry, uh, it was using Flash. They are moving to HTML5 since Flash, just in general, is kind of is kind of going away. But they look to improve that and kind of narrow the gap between the experience you get on Comixology and the experience you get on the Marvel uh, Digital Comics Unlimited. But I haven't experienced that uh, firsthand. So uh, again, I think when the when the when the Android app releases, I think I might dip my toe in that water and just see how things are. Because if I can read most of stuff, most of Marvel's back catalog, even if it's uh, you know six months old or older, and and they don't do the Disney model where stuff kind of comes and goes and I, I, I have access to that. Uh, you know, I think that adds another dimension to this whole, you know, digital thing. Uh, I typically don't really need to have more than, you know, I, I wish they would expand it. Uh, I think six comics is, is kind of narrow. I think there's a lot of people that would like it to be maybe 12 or 15 um, because, you know, you just never know sometimes what you're going to read and when you're going to be, you know, not, not have access to an online thing. But uh, I've been really curious about that. For me personally, it's not appealing, but I can see why it would be appealing to a lot of people. It's just not my my media style. I, I don't really buy into the whole not not as a concept, but I just don't buy into um, the whole uh, cloud radio or not cloud radio, but you know, internet radio or Spotify thing. I can see why for a lot of people that is awesome and that is exactly what they need. It's exactly what they want, and it's a perfect fit for me. Just personally, whether it be music or movies or comics it's not really for me what do you think jim i i would prefer i i prefer just to buy issue by issue rather than all you can eat model i'm i'm with jordan i really i don't use spotify or, or pandora those kind of things i i you know i'm i'm i would be fine with you know more of a more of an ownership on the, on my uh digital property than i already have that would be my only issue so far with you know, digital distribution as as a whole but as far as the marvel comics unlimited thing i, I don't think it's for me fair enough uh, one more thing uh, that I had that I had on my list uh, to talk about is we we kind of briefly talked about it. We we talked about um, DC's digital first and digital exclusives. We talked a little bit about Marvel the Infinite the Marvel Infinite comics, which they're kind of like quasi motion comics. Uh, what Marvel did announce for their upcoming endeavor is a weekly uh, Marvel Comics Infinite, and the first story arc has been uh, promised to be Wolverine, Japan's most wanted. Ah, uh, yes, that's what I was alluding to earlier. I couldn't remember the specifics. Yeah, yeah. July ninth is when the launch date on that is is supposed to be. So th- that was another one of those announced at South by Southwest. Uh, they had some posters leading up to it that had fifty two claw marks, uh, and it was kind of a lot of people thought it was kind of a dig at at DC, but it turns out it's going to be a weekly digital uh, comic, and it, it does have the infinite uh, logo attached to it. So I'd be really curious to see. Uh, how much of that they incorporate and how that fits into the 99 cent price point. Um, although I, I don't think they've officially come out and said it's 99 cents, but I'm hoping uh, it is for a weekly for a weekly book. I think most of the in- the infinite books so far have been either 99 cents or free. So yeah, I, I know the Guardians of the Galaxy stuff is free, and the AVX stuff, which is I think the only other stuff that's come out, has been tied to those books. So. You could buy them separately, but if you bought the book, you got the digital infinite anyway, which I did. So, so yeah, they've been tied that way. So that's uh, that's coming as well. So the last thing I, I wanted to talk about on the actual digital viewing experience is uh, some of us read comics that are in CBR, CBC, PDF. Uh, there are legitimate as well as illegitimate ways to obtain material to view in that manner. 
I, for my tablet, um, I do come across CBRs, CBZs, and PDFs uh, occasionally, and I have I use the app uh, for the Android tablet called Comic Cat. Um, it's a paid app. I think it was like two bucks uh, that that I use, and it it does a pretty good job of allowing you to um, page through, to zoom in, zoom out, and navigate pretty pretty easily. It's got a really cool bookshelf format for organizing your comics. Um, and offers you different ways to, to do that. It's got this cool graphic background that even looks like a bookshelf and to organize your, your books with. Um, it marks them whether they've been read or unread. From within the app, it'll take you to the next book in the sequence. So if they're all you know, in order uh, you know, by title and number, you could actually just kind of seamlessly jump from one issue to the next to the next. Um, it's, it's pretty decent. I know there, there are several out there that are free. Uh, that you could use. I know on the on the computer, a lot of times, when, especially when we do um, you know sh- reviews for the show, rather than kind of flip through pages in the book, we'll 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 use uh, digital copies. And I use Comic Rack. Uh, that's a free app that's available for the PC to to view. And again, it does PDFs, CBRs, CBZs that you can view with. I'm not sure what you guys use on your various formats for that kind of thing. Well, I'm a Mac guy, and I don't have a tablet, but on my Mac I use a program called Simple Comic, which I, I've used a, a number of different ones on my Mac, and to be fair, I have not gone out recently and seen, hey, what's the newest one out there? But I've been very happy with Simple Comic. It has a very nice built-in uh, magnifying glass feature, which is great for when you're you're dealing with a comic that has some very small writing in some panels or whatever, and of course your computer screen is slightly smaller than... Uh, than the book itself would have been, so that's very nice, and it's just smooth, and it seems to load pretty well, and not hog any at all, anywhere at all resources. Um, but so that's what I use, of course, for my legitimately obtained comics um, that I use a CBR or CBC reader for. I use Comic Rack. Uh, I have what is known as a desktop replacement size laptop, so I have a pretty sizable screen. So um, um, Comic Rack works for me. That's what I use. I use Comic Cat on my phone too, since it's a tablet app. I could use it either way, so I do use that. But it's it's really rare that I I watch anything, whether it's through Comixology or anything else on my phone. And I've got a pretty good. I mean, I've got a Samsung Galaxy S3. It's got a pretty decent sized screen, um, but still, it's it it can be at times tough. The digital exclusive stuff is is easier to read that way than um than the other. It seems because it, it's kind of formatted in that way. Um, but in general, I, I tend to, to avoid the phone as much as possible. So do you guys have anything else, uh, digital comic wise to, to talk about other than, I mean, I know we're going to talk about private eye next, but I didn't know if there's anything else before we move on. I'd like to be filled in on private. Eye. I only know the most peripheral things about it. Well, uh, like, like Russ said, it's, um, Brian K. Vaughn is writing and Marcos Martin is doing the art, which is gorgeous. I mean, I know, I know some people don't like Marcos Martin or Javier Perlita's work, that that style, I frankly love it. I think it's just amazing. But it is interesting how it ties into the whole what happens if you lose all your cloud stuff or what happens if all your cloud data just gets out there as public. Um, it's it's a complicated story, especially if you don't want to, um, you know, to, to spoil anything. But it basically takes place in a in a post-internet world. It's a noir detective story that deals with paparazzi and your typical noir private eye type stuff, but in a post-internet world where, um, I guess the biggest spoiler from issue number one, sorry to spoil this, but it's kind of important to understand the world. 
the cloud burst, you know, however many years before the story took place, the cloud burst, everybody's private data went public. And so the internet is pretty much gone. And this is how the world is reacting to that. How do you now shield your identity in a world that doesn't have the internet, but you were so used to shielding it that you have so many personalities out there and they're all traceable back to you now. You know, every screen name you've ever had, every uh, dumb thing you ever posted on Reddit, all that kind of stuff is now public knowledge. So what are you going to do in the real world to separate yourself from that? Yeah, it's pretty crazy. And and what everybody does is they're always disguised. They have masks, costumes, um, holographic projectors, all kinds of crazy stuff. I mean, it, it in this environment... Um, your identity is like currency. I mean, that's that's what you know. People take that to heart and um, you know really work at trying to remain um, remain private. And there's it seems like there's a bunch of laws in place that um, that are set to where people can't go digging around looking at that stuff. I mean, the main character is a private eye, hence the title. Um, and you know he even mentions that you know you could basically be put in jail for even just coming to talk to me so yeah. uh, you know paparazzi has stopped meaning someone who goes after celebrities but just like anyone who tries to put two and two together between somebody's online you know ex persona and their real life or connecting these masked people to real people yeah and it's it's pretty interesting to see how elaborate or not uh, that people go to disguise themselves. I mean, some of them are very elaborate and very detailed is uh, how they do it. Others are just, you know, like I said, people wearing masks or um, pretty low, um, low grade, low tech, you know, costumes, um, you know, furries, things like that. Um, and, and it all goes all the way up to, like we said, holographic projectors where you wear something that just projects your disguise. And it just, it's, it's really interesting. Um, and and I'm I'm with you, Jordan. I really like the Marcos Martin art um, in general, um, not just on on this book, but his art in in general. It's it's a very clean style. I, I can't say cartoony, but it's there's not a lot of of it's not hyper detailed. Yeah, it's it's like this great mix of a, a, a edit. This might be exactly what you said. I'm not sure you dropped for me. Um, edit back in. It's this great mix of like an early, you know, like a Jack Kirby or some of those other similar 60s and 70s styles of arts, but done with modern coloring and modern sensibilities. It just has this pop and this classic but contemporary feel to it that I don't get from anywhere else, except like I said, from like a Javier Polito. There's a couple artists who are doing their work in this style, um, and I don't really get anything outside of them that feels like this. It's just such a weird but perfect fit for for a lot of the stories they're put on like when when, uh, both of them did spider-man for a while um or daredevil it's just this really cool classic but so contemporary feel at the same time yeah i i totally agree and the coloring is is what really i think sets off the art it's it you could definitely tell it's modern coloring techniques but it's not they don't go create the it's usually like simple palette um not a lot of variance in the color. You're not going to see like, you know, unlimited color and, and just crazy gradations and things like that. It's it's fairly simplistic in its color design, which, again, really, in my opinion, matches the art. Um, and, and we should say, you but know, it, this is a book that you can buy at panelsyndicate.com, P-A-N-E-L-S-Y-N-D-I-C-A-T-E, panelsyndicate.com for whatever you want. 
You know, you can get it in PDF, you can get it CBR, CBZ, um, no DRM, all the proceeds go to Brian and Marcos and whatever. Um, it's a really cool distribution, you know, especially considering the subject matter that it's all digital that they're discussing and it's all digital that you're going to be able to get it in. It's per- it's designed specifically for tablets and for computer screens. It's that widescreen look. Um, it reads beautifully. Um, I don't know, there's a lot you can say about it. It's a really cool book, but I, I would suggest that anybody check it out, especially because it's pay what you want. And it's definitely worth full price. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the only thing that I found odd, um, I did like the fact that everything is pretty much a double-page splash. I mean, it's it's definitely formatted uh, for the wide. The only thing I found odd was it has the... It, it almost looks like in the... I got it in the CBR format... It has the line down the middle, and it's almost like it was scanned from the paper, where you could see, you know, where the where the fold would be, where the crease would be, and even the coloring. It, it and I don't know if this was intentional. Maybe this is purpose. You know, they did this on purpose to make it look like you're actually reading a physical book. Um, but that was the only thing that I found slightly distracting was this line going down the middle. Uh, you know, as if it were a physical book with no you know, loss in the bleed. Uh, I just, I just thought that was, that was an odd choice. And like I said, I'm not sure if that was purposeful or um, if there's some other technical reason behind that. I did not notice that. I'm, I'm bringing up my copy right now to see if I can find what you were, you were mentioning. And I don't know if maybe it's possible that it's just the way comic rack is interpreting the CBR Maybe, maybe that's what it is. I don't, did you get the PDF or did how what format did you get it? I with, think I Jordan? downloaded it in all three just so I could compare them, and then of course never did. But let's see. Oh, you looked at? Did you say you looked at CBR or CBZ? CBR. Okay, let me open up my CBR copy. And while Jordan's doing that, for those of you that don't know the the, the difference, well, PDF obviously everybody's familiar with PDF portable document format. It's it's meant to be kind of a, a snapshot of a of a text based document typically done so that people can't alter or edit the original contents. Uh, a lot of um, comic publishers use those to send out comps or, or um, review copies and things like that. Uh, C- the, the only difference between a CBR and a CBZ is a CBR is a collection of JPEGs, the individual page images that are RARD together, and RAR, R-A-R, is a type of compression format uh, that, that's used. CBZ is a collection of JPEGs that are zipped together. So literally you could take a CBR, CBZ and open it in WinRAR, WinZip, whatever, and actually bust it out into its um, component pages to view as as separate images if you so choose. Yeah, so I just, um, I have my copy I'm flipping through. That must be something specific to your reader, like it throws that in automatically because it is not in my version. It's just one seamless page with no weird line down the center. And it is gorgeous. Huh, okay. I haven't looked at it in about a week or two, and this is a gorgeous book. <laughs> I want to read it again. Then uh, then I stand corrected. Well, it just may be something that's specific to your comic reader. Um, I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah, it could be. So, But, yeah, it's it's a it's really intriguing book. Um, it, it's definitely, uh, you know, it's not, it's even though there are people with capes and tights in it, it is not a capes and tights superhero book. No, it's a, it's a noir detective story. Yeah, yeah. 
and it's uh but it, it it's a lot of fun it's it's got a, it's got a good hook i mean by the end of it i was really wanting to read the next issue which i think is the you know one of the biggest compliments you can give to a number one issue yeah and i you know i, I kind of took a chance in paying 399 because i i know both of these artists uh, marcos martin and brian k vaughn and i respect their work and i generally really like it so i was like you know what I'll I'll pay the quote unquote full price of three ninety nine. It's not a price they're giving you. I'm just saying that's quote unquote full price because that's the standard price right now in the comics. And I don't regret a cent of that. I think it is definitely worth that. Now your your mileage may va- vary, of course. This might not be your thing, but um, I have no qualms that I paid that much for this book. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, teach our own. I I paid. I think I mentioned this last week. I paid two bucks uh, for it, and I'm very happy with the two bucks I paid. If if you're a little leery, maybe you're you're maybe Marcos Martin isn't your cup of tea. Maybe you're a little concerned that this story in general is not your cup of tea. You know, pay what you want. You know, pay fifty cents, pay a buck. You know, and check it out. If you like it and and feel like this is something you want to support, make it up on the second issue, or you know, spread out what you know what you think is fair value for it over the next several issues to make up for the you know that maybe you lowballed the first issue. Um, you know, it, it's I, I don't know when or what the plan is for how often these are going to come out. Um, I think this one came out at this point, what, about a week and a half ago, almost two weeks yeah, ago? Yeah, maybe something like that. Yeah. I, um, I, I but, would put it this way. Regardless of whether you are interested in either the creators of the story, check it out. And if you like it, pay simply because you will be supporting a model that I think all of us can get behind. This is a completely 100% DRM free, that's digital rights management for anybody who's not familiar with that acronym, but I think pretty much as anybody is now. This is a model that I think as comic fans and as media consumers in general, we should be supporting. Um, you know, if you don't like it, don't come back for the second issue, but just if you can, whether it's this book or someplace else, if it's something that you respect the art of, support this uh, this distribution type because this is, as a consumer, what is the best for us. Yeah, yeah. One of the uh, real quick, and now that you mentioned it, one of the companies we didn't uh, talk very much about was Red Five Comics, and those guys have been kind of pioneers on the digital forefront for quite some time. And I, I've talked to uh, the guys at Red Five; they they're uh, local to Texas. They show up at all of the Texas cons, uh, especially the Houston, anything in the Houston area. At one point, I I can't remember if it was either in in speaking to those guys or reading an interview, but. Um, their digital sales, and this has been like three years ago, um, far su- uh, their digital sales on Atomic Robo, I think, have far exceed like the number one book that comes out every month. That they that it is it is a big big hit on the digital front. Um, and so, like Jordan said, if if you you know supporting this model, I think is important because I think you can see small companies that put out good work or independent folks that don't want to go through a publisher. And want to have more fine control over, you know, how many pages go in an issue, how how often the issues come out. Be able to to have that freedom. Um, I I think you're going to see more of this, and I think it it gives people that can't afford print costs and distribution and you know diamond and everything else um, a whole other avenue to put out some really really good stuff. I don't uh, I don't have anything else on my list. Is anything else you guys had on your lists? I think we're good. I think I'm digital. I rap. think we're good. File file downloaded. <laughs> end, end, end of line. line. End of Are line, yes, sir. So say we all. <laughs> T- 
too funny. All right. Well, I think uh, as you listen to this, I think very soon, uh, I think Mr. Dietz and Mr. From Jersey are going to be putting out a very a very special episode of the LOD um, on Bioshock Infinite, if I'm... We may travel back in time, just to put it out before this. Gonna go back they are, in time. They are that good. So definitely ch- check that out if... Um, if if you uh, if you are interested in Bioshock Infinite, it is a full on spoiler. Well, actually, what's we're, right? We're going to do the first half of the episode. Will be more of a general review, not only of uh, Bioshock Infinite, but like the, the games leading up to that and stuff. Then we're going to have a, a short musical interlude, and then the second half will be all full spoiler on uh, discussion. And I cannot Excellent. wait to get into it, because this is a very complicated game, uh, especially when it comes to plot and the ending. So that, that second half will be very interesting to, to bounce ideas off of each other. Well, I will be happy to listen to the first half of that uh, half of that episode, because I do not have Bioshock Infinite yet, but I plan on getting it uh, at some point in the intermediate future to check it out, because I've heard nothing but good about it. Oh yeah, we can spoil that part right now. The game's really good. You Spoiler, yeah. play it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so that'll be that'll be fantastic. Um, and again, like I said, this this may be uh, posthumous at this point that I'm relaying this information to you. Wait, wait, you're gonna uh, die? Oh, that's what that means. <laughs> posthumous is is after human after life. I know. <laughs> okay. I was trying to be funny and it don't die didn't on work. Us. Uh, I spend way too much time on the internet explaining things to people, so don't ruin my fun, Jordan. <laughs> I'm the worst. <laughs> um, next week will be uh, Real Heroes on Blade Trinity. Woohoo! Poor Jim. One of these days we're gonna get we're gonna get something that's really gonna be exciting for Jim to talk about. Hopefully, it'll be uh, the Shaquille O'Neal version of Steel. That'll that'll get oh. me amped. <laughs> you know, I used oh. to have the novelization of that at some point when I was a kid. I doubt I still. I have the action figure. <laughs> oh, that's much sadder. Oh, yeah. So hopefully, maybe the wheel will be kinder next week, and Mister Dietz will have a smile on his face as we leave uh, Real Heroes for a change. But until that time, uh, you can leave us a voicemail at five one six four six eight seven nine one two. Leave us an email at comments at legionofdudes dot com. Check out the website hhwlod dot com for all kinds of cool stuff: uh, comic reviews, movie reviews, Walking Dead reviews. Um, although now that the season is over, Aaron will be on a little bit of a hiatus for that. Um, but you can check out the cool stuff we'll have coming up for the off season of the walking dead TV podcast. Uh, a new episode of the shield TV show podcast was just put out. We talk about the Marvel phase one, uh, DVD slash Blu-ray, uh, box set release, uh, as well as some, some new news out now with Aaron and Abe, where they've always got uh, new movie reviews and usually some commentary coming out every week. Um, I think Mr. Dietz is is a frequenter of that show. We just put out commentary tracks for Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2. Nice. Uh, which I was a part of, and they were b- both very fun to do. So those are always a blast. Even if you don't watch the movie, they're fun to listen to. Cool. And, of course, you can check out Half Hour Wasted Real Heroes as well is is even on its its own separate feed so again check out hhwlod.com for all the great stuff going on so until next week when your real heroes assemble this is russ we'll talk to you next week have a good one everybody stay digital end of line